Welcome to the Colonel Cast, the official podcast of the Curry College Athletics Department, a proud partner of your Curry College Colonels. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Colonel Cast. This is episode seven. As always, I am here with Brandon Clay. What's up? What's up? I'm back in the studio now, which is good. And Chris McKeon. What's up? We have another full episode for you here today. We have the winners from round two of the Best of Curry Bracket. We have a special guest, a very special guest here on today's episode, but we are going to kick things off once again with Welcome Home Colonels. Welcome home. All right, we have already made it to our seventh colonel from the class of 2024. Today we want to give a shout out and a huge welcome from Falmouth, Massachusetts on our football team. It's Kyle Connolly. Welcome, Kyle. Welcome, Kyle. Welcome, Kyle. Before we announce the winners from each matchup in round two of the best of Curry Bracket, Chris, why don't you tell everybody about the open positions we have on Handshake? As we've mentioned in past episodes, if you're looking for a job on campus, please check out Handshake, the college's new job platform. It's a great way to connect with employers. And if you have any questions about Handshake, please contact the Center for Career Development. All right, as you guys know, we are full swing in the best of Curry Bracket, and round two has come to a close. So through the 10 days of voting in round two, we are now officially able to declare the winners of each of the four head-to-head matchups. To kick things off, the first winner that is entering in the final four of the best of Curry bracket is the 2015 baseball team, which is Chris's pick. Let's go baseball. Chris has the first finalist. They received the second most votes in round two. The second finalist is the 2008 men's soccer team, which was Clay's pick. Woo! Uh, They finished with 787 votes in round two and 997 total votes. Yeah, that was a close one. Matchup number two was tied through nine days. So with one day left, we had absolutely no clue who was going to advance. But the 08 men's soccer team pulled it out, wound up with 50.3% of the votes in that matchup and won by just nine over Emily Irwin's career. Wow, the soccer team showed up for me. Thank you, guys. Clay, (laughs) who is finalist number three? For matchup number three, the winner is the 2019 volleyball team, which is Paul's pick. All right, so we've all got one right now. The volleyball team ended with 771 total votes in round two, with a total of 57.5% of the voting. Yeah, the volleyball team is one of three teams who has broken 1,000 total votes through two rounds. And the last finalist rounding out our final four, this one was never really in doubt, with 61.1% of the votes in matchup number four. Of course, it's the national champion, 2019 cheerleaders. Cheerleaders showed up. 894 votes in round two. That was the most of any competitor. 
So we've got our final four. We have the 2015 baseball team, which is Chris's 2008 men's soccer team, which is Clay's yep, yep. 2019 volleyball, which is mine, and 2019 cheerleaders, who are also mine. So you have two. I do. I mean, we're all represented. So. We're all represented. That's the important part. But I feel like me and Chris are going to pull up the upset at the end of the day. Let's see. I am the odds-on favorite right now, but we'll see how everything plays out. And like we've said, this is the championship round. Four moments in the final four. So the voting is a little bit different here on out. There's going to be no more head-to-head voting like you've seen on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Rather, all four of these moments are going to be voted on in one group. So starting Saturday, October 10th, which is tomorrow, voting begins for the championship. You have one vote per day per social media platform. And again, that starts tomorrow, October 10th. Yeah, everybody, make your votes count in this final round. You guys have been doing an awesome job, just like in round one. In round two, we received over 5,000 votes, which means we are over 8,600 for all of the Best of Curry bracket combined now. Instagram polls was a very good idea, evidently. Each group received at least 1,000 votes on Instagram alone in round two. So we are going to see how everything plays out in the finals. And in two weeks, we are going to crown a champion of the Best of Curry bracket. All right, now that we know who is going to be moving on to the final four, we are going to step away from the bracket and welcome in today's special guest. When Chris and I recently appeared on Matt Noonan's Noontime Sports Podcast, we chatted about starting the pod and how we went straight from our pilot episode to the very top of our department with Vinny's guest appearance in episode two. Today, we get to climb the ladder even further with a guest appearance we've had scheduled for over a month now. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome in the commissioner of the Commonwealth Coast Conference, Greg Kay. Thank you very much for joining us today, Greg. Gentlemen, thanks for asking me to join you. It's, uh, it's my pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. So many of us have seen or heard you in August on Nichols College's Have You Heard, then in September on Salve Regina Seahawk Talk. You've been on the Noontime Sports Podcast, where Chris and I also were lucky enough to make an appearance a couple of weeks ago, but I am very honored that I am finally able to say, welcome to the Colonel Cast. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you reached out. Um, you, you guys are doing just a tremendous job, and the way I look at it is I've got a lot of practice in, so hopefully I'll, <laughs> I'll be a good guest for you. Perfect. Greg, you've been very supportive of us so far, despite being very young in the process. Thank you for that. And if you can recall in our second episode, when we chatted with Vinny, you know we asked him to share with us what things looked like from his perspective in the spring and through the summer. We'd be very interested to hear your answer to that as well. Well, it's, it's certainly been an unusual and an unprecedented time. In a lot of ways, it feels like it kind of came out of nowhere. For me, when it first broke, I'd actually gone down to Florida to spend some time with family, but also to do something that I always wanted to do, and that was get a chance to see a lot of teams from the conference in action over spring break. You know, certainly you're kind of ready for the spring to get rolling every year. So I was down there and I saw a Curry softball doubleheader. And it seems like once that happened, that was really when all heck broke loose. And Mm -hmm. no, it's been a challenging time. And I think what really has made it the most interesting experience is really that for all of us, it's something that not only have we never been through, but it's something that we really never envisioned might happen. The big challenge from our perspective is that throughout the process, people want to know what's next. And it changes almost daily 
So it really is hard to give folks concrete examples. Early in the process, I think everybody was waiting for some leadership from the NCAA. And what makes that interesting is that the committees that really work on virtually everything in Division Three, it's comprised of folks who have day jobs as either administrators, presidents, athletic directors, commissioners in their own conferences and at their own institutions. So you have people that are trying to put out a fire in their part of the world, Mm -hmm. but somehow, you know, the division is looking to them for leadership. So that's really been a major challenge is really people want to know what's going to happen. They want answers. And sometimes it's really hard to do that. So Mm -hmm. that's what's been a challenge really all along. Our folks have been great about staying in conversation. We're hopeful that things remain on a positive trajectory. And we've got our fingers crossed that we don't get a lot of curveballs thrown at us. And if somebody does serve one up, you, you just kind of sit on it and take it the other way and see what happens. Yeah, to build on your point there, as you said, it has taken some really strong leadership to make any progress at all, really. And we're fortunate to have some strong leaders here at Curry. As I'm sure you can attest, there are strong leaders everywhere around the conference at each institution and in the conference office itself. So what we're saying here, we're saying to hashtag keep Curry safe, got to continue to make good decisions, wear our masks and whatnot, and to stay specifically at the institution a little bit at staff members who work just for Curry College. Chris and I have had our own set of unique challenges, as have the athletic departments of all the other CCC member institutions. On the flip side, though, What challenges does the conference office face that may not come up at an individual institution, maybe not from the decision-making side, but from the content creation side or whatnot? Absolutely. That's a really good question. And, you know, in some ways, you know, regardless of whether or not we have contests going on, whether or not we're focusing on specific programs and things like that, what makes it really difficult in a lot of ways is that we don't have the natural ability to be involved with events, student athletes, other folks on a daily basis. So a lot of the things that we might normally be doing, we don't really have a lot of that. So we've been able to really come up with some outstanding content. But the part that I don't think folks always realize is that in order for us to do those things at the conference level, whether it's during normal times or during unusual times, we really have to rely on the institutions a great deal to make that happen. And it's a challenge because each institution, you know, is also trying to figure out how to navigate an unusual time. But again, we're we're fortunate that we've got a tremendous group of folks, whether it's among the sports information people, the coaches, the administrators. I think the one thing that really is, is has always been wonderful about our conference is that while our teams and our student athletes, you know, they want to pound each other when they meet on a field or on the rink or wherever the case may be. We all have always understood that we're, we're really all part of the same team and we're all in it together. We're all trying to do the same thing. So I think in a lot of ways, it's also kind of pulled us together. Absolutely. And we'll touch on a great example of that coming together, not only within our own conference, but actually partnering with another conference a little bit later on. So, Greg, as you currently serve as the commissioner of the CCC, I figure a lot of people like myself and students included would relate your position to that of like Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, or Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA. Is your role with the conference similar to what they do for their respective leagues? And if not, how do they differ? 
Yeah, that's a tremendous question. And I think in a lot of ways, that's probably a a misconception that a lot of people Mm -hmm. have. You know, first and foremost, in my role as a Division III commissioner, we're, we're there to serve. We're there to serve the membership. We're there to do the business of the conference that either tells stories or adds to the great participatory experience. It's not a case where I can wake up in the morning and say, hey, here's something we're going to do and just snap my fingers and make it happen. You know, in essence, all of the policy that is set by the conference is driven by our presidents. Those are the folks that drive the ship. Now, that being said, on a daily basis, when we're dealing with operational issues, when we're dealing with a lot of logistics, those things are really something that I navigate jointly with our athletic directors. So what I think makes us you know, significantly different than a lot of the professional sports entities is that we're not in the business for making money. Our schools feel that athletics is a part of the overall educational undergraduate experience. So we're a little bit different, you know, in terms of COVID to kind of put a modern day spin on it. There's no way that we would be able to do something along the lines of an NBA bubble, you know, because Mm -hmm, our students first and foremost, and the athletics in in a lot of ways is not going to be the first priority. It's incredibly important. It supplements what they're doing academically. But those are a lot of concerns that, you know, the professional leagues are, are probably, you know, certainly not dealing with. We're all trying to do things first class. We're all trying to create the best experience that we can. And I think we're successful in doing it. But sometimes it has to be a little more deliberate. It has to be a little more consistent from sport to sport. If you're doing it in football, well, you know, you need to be doing it in field hockey or cross country. The hand that we're dealt is a little bit different. The end result is supposed to be the same thing as, as what the bigger leagues will do. But the world in which we operate is really, really significantly different than those professional leagues or or the bigger collegiate conferences that are out there. Yeah. And one of the things you said in there made me think of one of my favorite sayings or cliches or whatnot, that the reason we refer to student athletes the way we do and the reason that phrase is structured the way it is, is because they are students first. The academics come first. And as you said, athletics is such a big piece of their collegiate experience, but we do have to make sure that they're focused on academics and that that piece is taken care of at the top of the priority list, essentially. But as we're talking about common misconceptions, every here and there, people will hear news in the media about the NCAA and big decisions coming in, like all that's going on with the name, image, and likeness decisions. Some people not as familiar with college athletics may not know, since we're a Division three program and play in a Division three conference, we don't have to deal with that, at least not yet. That is, are we ever really able to rely on big news about the NCAA in relation to Curry or in relation to the CCC? Because it seems that that can be quite confusing. Yeah, it can be very confusing. And and I think one of the pet peeves that I've had, and, you know, I've been in my role with the CCC. It's my 14th year. It's my 20th year working at a conference office at either the Division II or the Division III level. A lot of times the media, when they announce things that are happening or they talk about issues that are at hand, in essence, they're really only talking about two sports. They're talking about 
FBS football and they're talking about Division One men's basketball. So a lot of times if you put on SportsCenter and you see that they're talking about a new rule that's in place, and I'm not talking about something like a playing rule, but like an example that I could use because you hear the term thrown out there is the transfer portal. Division three, it doesn't exist. You can use it if you want, but at the end of the day, it's a different animal because each of the three divisions is responsible for making its own rules. And, you know, being a Division three conference, it's unfortunate, but we don't get the attention from the national media that many times we should. So it, wow. it kind of works both ways, but in a lot of ways, you know, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, they made a big deal about how the Division one Governance Council was giving a voice to student-athletes. Division three has done that for decades. A lot of times you you think there are things that we do as a division that if the division one world ever looked at us, they might actually learn something. So there's a lot of misconceptions that are out there. Sometimes you almost feel like it's almost impossible to educate the world on it. Certainly encourage people to kind of do their research about what makes the different divisions a little bit different and how our world is, you know, not quite the same as as the world that they see on TV. Right. So, Greg, as we have you here with us, we'd be absolutely remiss if we did not jump into one of our segments here that we hit every once in a while, but we've got to do it here, definitely. This is Around the Commonwealth. Here's what's happening around the Commonwealth. So a couple of weeks ago, the conference introduced their new Person of the Week series, and the CCC put out this statement, without conference competition this fall, the CCC has decided to recognize a Person of the Week during each week in the fall semester. This series will demonstrate that competition is only a small part of what our student athletes, coaches, and administrators do, and serves to highlight the great things they are doing on their own campuses and beyond. So we're about three weeks into it now. So far, we've had Julian Connerton from UNE Football, Elizabeth Wexler from Roger Williams Women's Basketball, and Stephanie Moy from Suffolk Women's Ice Hockey. So would you mind touching upon that? Absolutely. And that's something that I'm really proud that we've been able to do it. And it's mm-hmm. been met with, with a lot of really great acclaim. What laid the groundwork for it is back in the spring, one of the things that we did was we retooled our all-conference teams to a program where we were recognizing all of the seniors that play for each one of our schools in the different sports. So one of the things that you know I brought to our athletic directors group was, you know what, we have a lot of really wonderful stories where people are doing incredible things whether it's work in their community, whether it's fundraising, maybe some sort of academic research that will lead to a career. So we threw it out there and we've gotten a lot of really great stories, you know, that have come our way from all of our member institutions. Curry's going to be coming up pretty soon on that uh, as far as an honoree and, you know, the person who we will ultimately be recognizing is a great story that strikes home in a lot of ways and folks will just have to wait to see what that story is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the thought is these are wonderful things that hopefully a younger student or somebody who is maybe in high school and looking at what they want their college experience to be like, 
these people are walking role models for the things that they do. Absolutely. Um, you know, the first young man who organized a Black Lives Matter march on campus, when you step back and you start looking at how does somebody like that deal with the logistics of such an event in normal times, much less in a pandemic, it's incredible. Just like our athletes play the sports they do because they enjoy it, the recognition, you know, if it comes is nice. These are people that are doing great things, not for the recognition, but because they're good things to do. So just being able to tell these stories, I think is wonderful. I've enjoyed each one of them that we've told for different reasons. The work that our interns and also our associate commissioner, Doug Chin, have been able to do in putting these pieces together have been great. And hopefully it's something where folks can step back and say the games may not be going on, but there's still an awful lot of good things happening at all of these institutions. And hopefully they get something out of these stories that we're able to share. So over the next couple of months, the conference will be presenting their student athlete development series. Next week on the 12th and the 13th of October, this will include a couple of panel discussions with CCC coaches and staff members who themselves played in the CCC as student athletes, including our very own men's soccer coach, Pete Mendel. There are a couple more very exciting events in the process of being finalized, but are not yet public. So please keep an eye out for those announcements, which will be coming very soon. And Greg, I don't know if you want to touch upon the student athlete development series. Yeah, you know, when the athletic directors and the staff were talking about what this fall would look like, we wanted to make sure that we're still continuing to help student-athletes develop as people. There are a lot of folks who their experience as a student-athlete within the conference has allowed them to serve the next generation of student-athletes. And I've always thought that it would be a great thing for current student-athletes who may be majoring in, you know, a whole host of things, but are looking at athletics as a career to maybe be able to benefit from some of those folks. You know, the fact that we have 10 athletic departments playing in 19 conference sports and a whole host of other sports, there's a real great opportunity there for people to learn from those who came before them. There's an opportunity to network. And there's some really interesting stories. So we decided to put something together. And originally, the thought was that we would do a panel discussion where we would have a couple of these folks. And the more I tried to think about what that would look like, how in the world would you just pick three or four coaches from our conference when you probably have three or four coaches at every institution? who would be great people to serve on this. So I asked all of our athletic directors to share some ideas as to who those folks might be. So we were able to put this really great panel together and, you know, awful hard to pack 10 people into one small panel when you want to ask four or five questions of each one of them. So I said, you know what, let's just do it over two nights so that we're doing it the right way and giving all of these stories a lot of justice. And it's really cool to me that of the 10 people who are a part of this, I've seen eight of them as student athletes. All of them are people that I really enjoyed a great deal watching them as student athletes. 
But now I don't think of them as so-and-so who used to play whatever sport at whatever school. I think of them as peers and colleagues and valuable mentors, even for somebody like myself. So I'm really looking forward to this one. And certainly in the case of Coach Mendel for men's soccer, I would hope each and every one of his players finds time to tune in. But I also hope a lot of other folks who interact with Pete when it comes to the sack and a lot of other things on campus take some time to hear those stories because there's somebody out there that's going to be the next Pete Mendel, whether it's at Curry or another institution or, you know, heck, maybe not even in athletics. But just to hear different philosophies and different experiences, it can really only serve to help somebody prepare for that next step. So I'm, I'm really excited about that one. It'll be here really, really quickly, but I think it's going to be a good couple of nights that hopefully people will enjoy being a part of. Great. All right. So we've got one more awesome story going on the CCC right now that we're going to touch on. Clay, why don't you yep. take that away? To round off the segment here, last Tuesday on September 29th, the CCC announced their field hockey programs will be joining the Atlantic East Conference's 100-mile pledge, which is super exciting. The seven Commonwealth Coast Conference field hockey programs have accepted the 100-mile challenge set forth by their peers at Wesley College and the Atlantic East Conference. Each individual on each CCC field hockey team will attempt to complete 100 miles, whether walking or running, in the 31 days of October to raise awareness and support for breast cancer education, while also supporting Wesley College field hockey student-athlete Alexis Howard. With all of the league's teams participating, the conference office has also accepted the challenge with a hashtag LexStrong. Even though Curry does not have a varsity field hockey program who competes in the conference, we still would love to send our best to the programs of the Atlantic East, our conference, the Commonwealth Coast Conference, and especially to Lex. Absolutely. Super exciting. Yeah, this was really something special that came about really, really quickly. There's 44 Division Three conferences, and, and I can tell you that everyone who's in my role, we're all in regular communication with each other. We're always bouncing ideas off each other. Certainly in this time, we're having regular groups, either as a New England subgroup or as a national group of commissioners where we kick things around. So I get an email from my colleague at the Atlantic East, and it spelled out what they were doing. And it started with Wesley, you know, supporting a teammate who's going through a really difficult battle. And it grew into a challenge that that conference, the Atlantic East's field hockey programs, were taking jointly. So I saw that I'm, I'm sitting on my couch and I said, man, this is awesome. So I, I sent it out to all of our field hockey coaches. And I will tell you within an hour, all of them were like, We've shared this with our teams. We're on board. We want to do this. I like to think of Division Three and CCC as being families. And it really led to a lot of excitement. And we were able to put together a quick call where we, we had a couple of student athlete leaders from each team. We talked about things that we're going to be doing on social media. Many of them were going to go back to their campuses and have some internal challenges where they challenge other teams from their campus. And certainly I would welcome any teams from Curry, even though there isn't a field hockey program. If folks want to participate, go out there and do it. I had told our coaches that if all of our programs participated, that I would participate as well. So I've been out there. First five days, I've covered 17 miles you know, it's, it's so sad that these things can really happen to anybody. 
And I know it, when you talk to anybody in life who's been through a challenge or had a family member who's been through a challenge, just knowing that others are thinking about you. We're family, and when something happens to one of our family members, we want to pick up that family member. So it's been a wonderful thing, you know, and, and certainly I would welcome any of our teams or institutions, whenever you have challenges like this, try to get others involved. You know, if our office can ever help in any way to spread the message or participate in something, we owe it to the members of our family to do it. So it's been very rewarding so far. The month is just starting to get rolling, but later in the month, we're going to have a theme practice across the conference since there's no competition that's going on where we'll have t-shirts that have the Lexstrong hashtag and conference logo and whatnot, just so we can get some really good messaging of support out there for Lex. Great. All right. So I had to take this question last week because Clay wasn't able to join us, but since he's back, I'll leave it to him. This I feel time like around. it's a tradition that I asked this. <laughs> it is. I'm so I've asked this, Greg. I've asked this to all of our guests since the first episode of the podcast, mm -hmm. and it kind of is segmenting off away from the discussion today. But Greg, what did you do over the summer? I mean, this past year has been absolutely crazy. I know all three of us have picked up a bunch of new hobbies in the past couple of months, but aside from work, what did you do over the summer? Absolutely. I think for me, the biggest change is that personally, I relocated from Western Massachusetts. Massachusetts up to Southern Maine needed a change of scenery. Always enjoyed coming out this way for games and whatnot. So that was really a big part of it. Folks may or may not know this, but I'm also a really big fantasy baseball aficionado. <laughs> I enjoyed drafting. I enjoy that whole element of it. So I overextended myself <laughs> quite a bit. And then all yeah. of a sudden when the season started, it's like, holy cow, all those teams. Now I've got to manage them. But I've been doing it for years. I run a league that we just wrapped up our 16th year. Wow. And every year I've, I've, awesome. you know, I've, I've won it 10 times. I finished second six times. <laughs> okay. The pressure, That's the pressure was on in a most unusual and volatile season to keep that streak alive. And I was able to do that. We'll get back to normal next year and, and just get back down to the one or two leagues that mm -hmm. I run. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right, Greg, before we let you go, as we've mentioned, we are heading into the finals of our best of Curry bracket. So you've been a part of the Commonwealth Coast Conference for 14 years now. So you'll be very familiar with all four of our finalists. So I'll say them again here. We have the 2019 cheerleading team who won the NCA national championship, the 2019 volleyball team who put up the most wins in program history. They also had the team's longest winning streak. We have the 2015 baseball team who I could go on and on about them. They were conference champions. They won Curry's first ever NCAA tournament game in baseball. We got a complete game shutout from freshman David Griffin. And He's a freshman, huh? He was a freshman, That's, yeah. That's an impressive game. <laughs> and the last of our final four members is the 2008 men's soccer team who put up a 16-5-3 and three season. <laughs> yep. That's my team, Greg. Didn't know. That's, 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 that's who I want to it's win. It's his one remaining pick. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so we'd love to hear your input on any of those or any fun memories you might have about those teams. Absolutely, and, and I enjoyed following that, you know, over the course of the voting. Um, I've weighed in a couple of times in that. Um, <laughs> all right, before. thank you. But, you know, really, I have thoughts on all of them. The cheerleading team, all of my kids have been involved in competitive cheer. My kids now are 7, 11, and 20, so I've been involved in that sport for a long time. Great sport that really requires a lot of skill, strength, teamwork. The interesting thing is that, you know, when you get to that level where you're competing in these national tournaments, you know, you're competing in a situation where you're going against teams that you've maybe never seen before. Mm. You have to execute. You have to execute. You have to impress. And it's a much different environment than what you normally a part of at the smaller local events. So I think for any team to go on and claim a championship in that sport, regardless of the size or the level, you know, at which they're competing, it's pretty significant. So that's a big deal. And I think that's a really solid choice. Absolutely. On the volleyball side, you know, I think the challenge in our conference is when you establish a new sport, it's so hard to climb the ladder. But that year, and it's hard to believe we were in the middle of it a year ago. It seems like it was, you know, 100 years ago. Great breakthrough season. And as you know, just building a positive culture is really the key. And that was a team that Coach May, he got them to do that. You know, whoever you're playing, if you can string together eight wins in a row, that's a pretty good step. So tough sport for anybody to make a dent into that top tier in Mm -hmm. the league. But that's definitely one to build on. I don't know if you know this, Greg, but I actually played for Bori at Emmanuel. No I played How men's volleyball that? at Emmanuel. So, yeah, I, I want to second everything you've said, that it's a very tough sport. And to string matches together, especially yep. when several of those matches went to five sets, really Absolutely. tough thing to do. They're yeah. so excited Absolutely. to watch, too. When they go to five sets, they're just so cool. Oh, yeah. They're just great. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally yeah. agree. To me, it's, it's always been one of the – the higher energy sports that, that we have. I enjoy it a great. It's hard not to go to a competitive match and enjoy it. Absolutely. So, you know, you talk about that 2015 baseball team, and, and that was probably one of the more exciting championship games that we ever had. And for a team, for those who may not remember, they had two tries to win one game. They bounced back from an 18-5 to loss, fell behind real early. David Griffin, who was just outstanding, I mean, he comes on when they're down by three, and he did his part. And to win the tournament back then, we had a really tough format where it was an 18 double elimination as opposed to two pods of four. So you really had to string together four or five big days, and, and they managed to do that. And to get an NCAA tournament win, fabulous. They managed to do that. That was really a good bunch. And one of the more memorable runs that I think anybody's ever had to a championship in our conference. And that soccer team, what a lot of folks may not realize when they look at the conference now is that back at that time, we were a 14-team conference. So to finish in third place in what has always been a very, very deep league in men's soccer, that really was no small feat. And I remember Curry, a really big scorer, and Ben Radzicki, he led the league in scoring. Brian Newsom was the goalie. I think he um, won several Player of the Week awards that one year. So they were just really, really tough. And, you know, like I said, a 14-team conference where you're playing 13 conference games in a short period of time, 
that's not easy to do. And especially in a sport like that, where it's physical, a lot of really tough teams in the conference. So that was a really great season that Curry strung together back in 08. Hard to believe that it's 12 years ago, but that was a great, great team effort back then. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And I got to ask you, can the Yankees pull off two of the next four? No. We'll see. <laughs> Folks may not realize it, but I was born in New York, used to work in, in the Yankees organization. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan. They, they've just, obviously this year has been unlike any other, but, you know, talk about a team that can not only turn it on, but when they go cold, they go really, really cold. Tampa Bay is tough. Anybody that, you know, went into this thing and didn't expect that the Rays would be somebody to look out for, they were really missing the boat. So, you know, five-game series, it's always great to get that first one out of the way. Tough assignment in game two. You know, young pitcher making his first postseason start in Davey Garcia. But it's going to be a big one. Even if you go up 2-0, it's not over yet, but we'll see yeah. what happens. I wasn't overly optimistic going into last night's game, but the bats were there, and it's a lot better being up 1-0 than it is down 1-0, and I'm sure Always. there are people listening to this that, you know, would just assume that they uh, they don't get any more wins, and I totally get that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, we'll they're see. off to a good start in this series after making quick work of the Indians, right? Yeah, again, that's another one. I, I don't know that I necessarily saw that coming the way that, you know, they were down the stretch and, you know, with Cleveland's pitching, but mm-hmm. that's why yeah. you play the games. I'm looking forward to the drama. I'm hoping to see a few game fives here. So we'll yeah. have to see, but I'm excited to keep watching. Yeah, there's nothing like a winner-take-all game. You know, I think many of us, the jury was out on the expanded playoffs, but it is what it is. It's been interesting. I mean, a lot of us probably don't get to see teams like Oakland and San Diego play all that much unless you really go out of your way to do it. And it's been a lot of fun in any sport. There's nothing like the postseason. It sounds like next round, there's going to be some fans in the stands. That'll be interesting to see what that looks like. And, you know, hopefully NLB can finish what they started. Yeah, they're going to be taking on a bubble. Well, a couple different bubbles, but <laughs> yeah. two or two or three or something, right? Two yeah, I think they've got four in the divisional series and then they'll, they'll narrow it down from there. Thank you again. I hope that you and your family and everyone in your office is able to stay well, stay safe. And again, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me. It's, you know, I, I'll never turn down a microphone. You guys do <laughs> yeah. a wonderful, wonderful job. And, you know, certainly encourage everybody, you know, just like you've said a couple different times, wear those masks. Do what you got to do. We want to be out there. And the only way we're going to get out there is if everybody does what they need to do. And we can create an environment where the risk is minimized and, you know, get everybody back to doing what they love to do. No doubt. We'll get there. Let's just hope it's sooner rather than later. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Have a good one, Greg. Thanks so much again. Thanks, guys. All right, y'all, before we wrap up this week's episode, we'd like to remind you to head to our social media accounts to vote in the final round of the Best of Curry Bracket. Voting will begin on Saturday the 10th and will be open until Monday the 19th. As Clay mentioned earlier, you will be able to vote once per day per platform, so make sure to get your votes in and make them count. And while you're there, feel free to also leave us a message. We love interacting with you guys and seeing your comments, so please keep them coming. 
The Kernel Cast is available wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, Pocket Cast, and Overcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and tell us what you think of the pod. We'd like to give one final shout out and thank you to CCC Commissioner Greg K. And we'll be back with episode eight next week. Bye, everyone. See you next See ya. week.